Welcome to From Small Beginnings to Great Endings, the podcast where we crush procrastination and accomplish our goals one small action at a time. My name is Bill Provenzano. After 15 years as a successful trader at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange and then building two successful companies from the ground up after leaving the trading floor, I've learned these transforming lessons. Your goals, my goals, are all accomplished when we take control of our mindset, overcome procrastination, and take action one small step at a time. If you're ready to finally make more progress on your goals than ever before, then this podcast is for you. So let's do this. Welcome to From Small Beginnings to Great Endings, the podcast where we do indeed crush procrastination and accomplish our goals one small action at a time. We're going to do a little walk down memory lane here a bit. In the very first episode of this podcast, I told you that the original working title of this podcast was Wrong Again, One Husband's Quest to Be Right Just Once. And I wanted to revisit that because there's a lot of material there that I wanted to unpack and it could very well be its very own podcast. But I wanted to talk about that podcast, what it, the, the origins of that title, and uh, some of the things that I wanted to share with you guys that I thought were, were pretty insightful and pretty fun to talk about. That, that title, we were, so my wife and I had uh, three or four other couples over, and these are couples that, some of them are family, some of them are friends, people that we've known for a very, very long time. So there's not a whole lot of... Uh, <laughs> pretty much everything is, is, is fair game with this, with this group. But anyway, so we were sitting around, you know, at our house having some drinks and my wife kind of out of the blue looks at me and says, geez, you, you were so loud this morning when you were cleaning the kitchen. Now, part of my, my morning routine is I, I and, uh, fully, I, full confession here. I, I do get up, <laughs> I get up too early and uh, I probably make a little too much noise in the morning. But anyway, but part of my morning routine is that I make sure that I, I clean the entire kitchen if it's not already clean. It's just something I do. I like starting the day with a nice clean kitchen. So when my wife said that, she said, you know, you were so loud this morning when you were cleaning the kitchen. She was probably right. But my, my, my first response was I just kind of paused and said, well, you know, I would have led with thank you. And that got a big laugh out of, the, uh, out of our group. And just right off the top of my head, I said, you know, one of these days I'm going to write a book and, and call it Wrong Again, One Husband's Quest to Be Right Just Once. And that, of course, got another big laugh out of the group. And this was like three years ago. And that planted a little seed in my head like, well, that, there might be something there that's kind of a fun title. I actually had some podcast art made. I think I can load it up onto the, uh, onto the podcast homepage there so it kind of show you what the, what the podcast art looks like. And then I started coming across a couple tweets on Twitter and whatnot. And here's one that I, that I came across. Um, this guy's Twitter handle is Downtown Josh Brown. He says, "Surprised my wife by cleaning the entire first floor of the house early this morning. She got mad because it woke everyone up, and I did it all completely wrong. It's not going well." Well, that's that's wrong again, right? <laughs> that's that's what wrong again feels like. You know, we we. We guys, we husbands, we, we do something and we feel like our wives are, uh, are, are being a little too critical of it. And, um, you know, we get that wrong. It's a wrong again moment. I'm a huge fan of Jerry Seinfeld. His approach and his business sense and his methodology is, to me, I think it's amazing. And 
If you haven't seen Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, I strongly recommend you check it out. But there was one episode of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, and his guest on that show was, oh, she's the wife of George Stephanopoulos, and she was actually, she was actually on an episode of Seinfeld, trying to find her name, Alexandra Wentworth, Alexandra Wentworth. She was actually on an episode of Comedians, of, 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 I'm sorry, Seinfeld, where she played Jerry Seinfeld's girlfriend. It was the Soup Nazi episode where, if you remember, they kept calling each other schmoopy, like, you know, they, and, and they were getting, you know, George and Elaine and were getting sick, just how Jerry and his girlfriend just kept calling each other schmoopy. So it's that episode. So that's Alexander Wentworth. And on Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, if you don't know the format, Jerry gets... Uh, different people in his car, and they, and or not his car per se, but cars he has access to, and, and and that's sort of the format for the interview, and it's it's a fun interview, but in this particular episode, they went to Alexander Wentworth's, I think it was her country club, and so Jerry and Alexander are dialoguing back and forth at the at the country club, and it's fun dialogue, and then Jerry suddenly looks at Alexander, and I've recorded this moment text on my cell phone because it's such a powerful moment. He suddenly looks at her and he says. He says to her, he says, do you want to know the bottom line? Men don't talk to each other. They don't have another guy. They don't have another guy say to them, does your wife do this? Because 99.99% of the time, the answer is going to be, yeah, she does do that. Does yours? Yeah, she does. How do you handle it? Well, how do you handle it? So basically, Jerry's saying, guys don't do this. They don't, they don't, they don't have another sounding board. And he says, just doing this will improve all these marriages 90, 90%. Now here's the, um, Here's the punchline, so to speak, of, of Jerry's statement. Jerry says, here's the level I'm on. I have absolutely no interest in being right. I used to have feelings. Those feelings got in my way. I got rid of those feelings. It's a great delivery. It's a great line. And that line is so <laughs> incredibly insightful and self-aware that I it, it just struck me. And I wanted to unpack that a little bit because... Jerry Seinfeld intuitively is linking being told by our wives that we are wrong, right? And that's not like our wife looking and saying, you're wrong. It's the, um, it's the downtown Jerry Brown statement. I cleaned the whole house and my wife's upset because I did it wrong. It's me being told you were so loud this morning. You know, it's not, it's not our wife pointing and saying you're wrong, but we hear it as, as, as we're, what we did is wrong. So Jerry Seinfeld intuitively is linking being told by our wives that we're wrong with hurt feelings. Because he says, I used to have feelings. Those feelings got in my way. I got rid of those feelings. Now, Jerry Seinfeld, <laughs> I, he, is, he is probably one of the most pragmatic people that I've studied. And I don't doubt that to a large degree, he has been able to probably the right word is either suppress or get rid of feelings that cause him, that, that cause most other men to sort of recoil and want to lash back when they receive that feedback from their wife that they've done something wrong. And I, I truly believe that Jerry Seinfeld just found a way to just kind of like, yeah, that I, I don't need that, that. Those feelings are getting in my way. I'm, I'm just going to get rid of them. And, you know, is that healthy? Eh, probably not. But anyway, so, so what are the feelings that he's talking about? What, what feelings is he trying to get rid of? I, I think it's the feelings that we guys get when our wives remind us that we are wrong again. It's, it's frustration, it's anger, but I think most importantly, it's that feeling that we're not being appreciated, that we're, not, that we're, being take, that 
What we do is not being appreciated, or what we've done is not appreciated. Shante Feldheim is a social researcher. I mean, I, I, do, I did a deep dive into this, guys. This was, this was not some off-the-cuff thing. I kind of did a deep dive into this. So Shante Feldheim, I'm going to just read her bio here directly, is a social researcher, best-selling author, and popular speaker. After receiving a graduate degree from Harvard and working on Capitol Hill and Wall Street, Shanti now uses her analytical skill to uncover those little things that can make big differences in lives and relationships. Here is the probably one of the biggest takeaways from uh, this, this uh, interview with Shanti. For men, being appreciated is their equivalent of being loved. So this is, this is a quote from Shanti. She says, It's so easy for us women to never realize the fact that for men... Being appreciated is their equivalent of being being loved. Saying thank you to a guy is just like when he says, I love you to, to a woman, to, to his wife. And Shante goes on to say, over the past few years of my research, I've come to realize that what, what quote, in quotes, I love you, says to a woman, thank you, says to a man. We here, this is Shante saying, we wives here, I love you. And it communicates 10 different things to us about his affection for us, our being worthy of his love and our being special. But while, men told, but while men told me hearing I love you is nice, it doesn't say 10 different meaningful things to them. Instead, what powerfully touches man, man's heart is thank you or other signs of appreciation. And since a man's primary need is appreciation and respect, we need to get in the habit of saying it. So see, I was right. <laughs> it, my wife should have led with, thank you. It's, it's science. Um, you know, isn't it amazing that uh, in the Bible, uh, the Apostle Paul, I'm almost positive it's the Apostle Paul, says, it says, husbands, love your wives. Women, respect your husbands. It, it's a very interesting thing that, was, that, that, he, that he writes there. Husband, love your wives. Women, show respect to your husbands. You know, even back then, it's, you know, science and, and behavioral studies have confirmed, and, and I can say for my own, for my own studies and for my own personal experience, I, knowing that I'm appreciated and the work that I'm doing is appreciated is, is way up there. So, you know, can you, can you just dismiss those feelings like a Jerry Seinfeld can and, and just package those feelings up and put them away of, of you know, disappointment and feeling hurt and feeling disrespected, so to speak. No, and I'm not sure we should. I mean, communication is probably the more important thing here. And the best small action, the best small action you can take is, is to say something to your wife, you know, something like, hey, you know, when you say that, you make me feel unappreciated. And I know you don't mean it that way, but it makes me feel unappreciated. So I, I came up with this thing. Yeah. Thank me before you spank me. Thank me before you spank me. You know, say thank you to me for what I've done before you want to correct me on, 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 on what I did wrong. So I, I came up with that. Thank me before you spank me. And here's, so, so that's one for the, that's one for the, for the women, right? That's one for the wives that they can, that some insight for the wives that they can, that they can take that, um, you know, us guys, our, our egos and our, uh, are probably a little, little more fragile than we like to admit. But we really love to hear thank you in, in whatever form that we'd like to hear it in. And so there's, I, I don't want to get too deep in the woods here, but there's two other things I want to talk about. One of them is, one of them is the five love languages. If you haven't 
done any reading on, on the five love languages, it's, it's pretty powerful stuff. I'm just Google it here and pull them up in front of me. Gary Chapman, he's a counselor and a pastor. And he, he's, you know, through his counseling, he, he recognized that there are five ways in which people receive the message of love. Whichever one of these five we communicate towards our spouse, that's the one we understand. So let me walk through them and, and it'll make more sense. So love language number one is words of affirmation. So those of us whose love language is words of affirmation, prize verbal connection. They, they here, for the give an example. I really loved it when you made dinner last night. It was so nice of you to organize that neighborhood bonfire or just I love you. It's just wor the words of affirmation. So if you're a person who likes to compliment your spouse, who like who who likes to tell your spouse verbally I love you, or or then more than likely, so that's your love language. That's the love language you speak. The love language you speak is the one you receive best. So, if so, the next love language is acts of service. So some of us feel most loved when others lend a helping hand or do something kind for us. So. My, my love language clearly is acts of service. I enjoy doing things around the house, cleaning the house, that I feel like I'm doing things for my wife. So I communicate my love language in acts of service. So the tricky thing is here, that's not my wife's love language. My wife's love languages, has, she has different love languages. So while I'm communicating love through acts of service, it's like I'm speaking French to someone who understands uh, English only. There, it's I, you know I might be I might be saying it in in my words, but the person who speaks a different language doesn't under is not receiving it. So that's the tricky part about these these love languages. So the, the love language number three is gifts. Some people love to give gifts, and those are the people that love to receive gifts, you know, big or small. Love language number four is quality time, where the, you know the, one spouse really cherishes time together. And uh, the other one is physical touch, non-sexual physical touch, holding hands, cuddling on the couch, uh, that kind of thing. So which the, the way to best understand your, the love language that you, that you speak, so to, let me rephrase that. The love language you speak is the one you receive. And there are crossovers, of course, but there's, it's almost always a dominant one. There's of these words of affirmation, acts of service, gifts, quality time, and physical touch, whichever one of those you primarily exhibit towards your spouse or your, or your, or your uh, significant other, that's the one you understand best. So, for like I said, for me, my primary love language is acts of service. So that's the one I understand best. But my wife's primary, she has a couple, you know, quality time, I know is one of my wife's, uh, love languages. So here's the interesting thing. My wife will want to sit down on the couch with me and watch a show and I'll want to get up and, and, and do acts of service. So we're both, we're both saying, I love you, but, but neither the other person isn't hearing it. And once I started to understand this dynamic, it became, it became easier for me to, to hear my wife and here is in quotation marks, hear my wife say, I love you. And I respect you when she was saying, hey, let's sit down and watch a show together. Or when she just reached out and, and in the morning just kind of gave and gave me a hug. Uh, because my wife's second love language is physical touch where she like, you know, she'll almost always come down and give me a hug in the morning. 
So I know that those are love languages she speaks. Those are ones she understands. So if I truly want to communicate love to my wife, I will sit down on the couch and say, well, let's, you know, let's spend time together and watch the show and physical touch, we'll, you know, hold hands or, you know, you know, put an arm around or whatever. That's, that's the way that I communicate it to her. So by in, in, in Gary Chapman's time studying um, in his counseling time, he just, he kind of uncovered this and recognized that there's these five languages. And once I read this, it, it's, it's sheer genius. It's, it's amazing how, uh, how powerful this is. So I wanted to touch on that because it sort of does tie into the to the first part, but not not perfectly. But there's there is that that dynamic of, you know, wanting to hear "I love you" and and needing to to also hear "I I you know uh, words of respect." So there is that there is that interesting dynamic that okay, great, we can we can use the words "I love you" or we can do these five acts or these different these five different love languages, but you know we got to remember. Guys really need we we just we really do well when we hear words that express appreciation for what we've done or what we're doing. And guys, you know, on the same token, you know, we need to be uh, attentive to express appreciation for the things that our wives are doing as well, even though it, it's not as important to off. I'm painting with a broad brush here. It's not as important to 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 wives to hear. Uh, I respect you. They they primarily want to hear I love you. And we so we just need to make sure we understand which love language is the one that they speak um, and understand. And that's the we so we do best, we do very well when we communicate I love you, either through words of affirmation, either through acts of service, either through gifts, quality time, or physical touch, depending on what our wife's primary love language is. So that's kind of a cool thing there. Uh, the last thing I want to touch on, this is something not related to the first two, but this is something I learned. And these were all, th these were all things I wanted to explore under the umbrella of wrong again when husband's quest to be righteous once. I mean, there, I've got, you know, 10 different, 10, 15 different topics. I was just brainstorming, just brain dumping like, and, and every one of these could be its own podcast. But here's another, another scenario that, that husbands will definitely resonate with. And this is something I learned probably about 10 years ago. Um, you know, after already being married for 15 years, it, it took me a while for this one to sink in. So guys, you know the scenario, a, a, a typical scenario, something happened to your wife during the day, whatever it might be, whether it was, uh, typically it's a conflict. So, so whether it was a conflict with a sibling or a conflict with somebody at a store or something, you know, a, a, a customer service person on the phone and your wife is telling you, she, she starts to tell you about this conflict. She starts to, to walk you through the path of what happened in this conflict. Okay, guys, what do every one of us want to do? We want to solve it. Well, here's what you should have done. Next time that happens, do this. And we start solving a problem. But our wife doesn't want us to solve a problem. Our wife just wants to just talk about what happened. She's not looking for a solution to the problem. And the next thing you know, we're fighting. And I did this for 15 years before I, before I learned <laughs> this very simple principle. My wife is not looking for a solution to the problem. I didn't, I didn't know. All, we, and again, these weren't, wouldn't turn into massive fights, but it was like, look, you came to me with this problem. I'm, give, I'm giving you the answer. And then, then we're fighting. Why are we fighting? Well, we're fighting because she didn't come to me with a problem to be solved. She came to me wanting to connect with me and just share something that happened in her day and let me just you know, hear the frustration and, and let her get it out of her. That's, that 
And then sudden, now I'm moving into problem solving. So in, in, in her ears, she's hearing, okay, stop talking about this. Here's the answer. And, and, you know, now I'm telling her you're wrong. So this is, this is the, this is the wrong again, one wife's, <laughs> one wife's attempt to be right just once. This is where I'm telling my wife, you're wrong. You, you handled that situation wrong. You need to do it like this in the future. And now I'm shutting her down. And it just, it creates a fight. When I learned this simple truth, she's not looking for a solution. She's just looking to connect with me and just, and just share what happened in her day. That's it. So what do I need to do? I need to be self-aware. I can't tell you time and again in my studies, and I study a lot, self-awareness is, the, is, the, um, <laughs> is central to virtually every one of our individual uh, problem-solving situations. I wrote a quote down here. Let me see if I can find it. Your life will flourish in the specific area you desire to flourish to the degree that you intentionally apply the practice of self-awareness in that area. I'm going to read it one more time. Your life will flourish in the specific area you desire to flourish to the degree that you intentionally apply the practice of self-awareness in that specific area. So if you want your marriage to, if you want your marriage relationship to flourish, right? I mean, what is marriage? Marriage, is, marriage is, a re, is a relationship. So if you want your marriage relationship to flourish, you need to be self-aware. Meaning, when, like I just described, a time comes up where your wife is, uh, you're, you're 30 seconds in you're to, of a story and your wife's telling you, and you want to start solving the problem. Self-awareness. Wait a second. Bill, hold on. Time out. This is all happening internally. This is that moment in time I want to solve this problem. My wife doesn't think this is a problem. She just wants to just air, just let it let the uh, let it off get it off her chest. Okay. That's self-awareness. Um, recognizing like I said when my wife is is inviting me on the couch to watch a show and I'm and I'm busy doing something in the house like I mean I'm busy well let me let me finish doing this project over here or you know cleaning this room or doing that I need to be self-aware. This is my wife telling me, I love you, come spend time with me. It's, it's self-awareness is central. Self-awareness is, is the central piece to, to improving any area of your life. Because whatever area in your life you want to flourish and grow, you need to, you need to apply self-awareness, intentionally, <laughs> intentionally apply the practice of self-awareness in that area. And I've talked about self-awareness in previous podcast episodes, and I will continue to talk about it because in my mind, there and, and, and in, in the hundreds of hours of studies that I've done, it, it all begins with a recognition of catching what are thoughts in that moment. What is my thought doing right now? Take captive my thoughts. Wow, isn't that funny? That's a, a, another Bible verse. Take your thoughts captive. And be renewed by the, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Get, get, renew the thought. Get it. You get a new thought in there. Get something new in there, and that will transform your life. I'm going to wrap this up here. Uh, there was like a, I'm I'm going through. I was just opening up my Word documents here because I created a whole list of potential podcast episodes and in the, in the wrong again. 
uh, under the category of, of wrong again. And But I'm going to wrap this one up here. And just to revisit three things. Number one, guys, we know we want to hear we want to hear words or actions that that um, that convey respect. Even though you know, it's it's hearing I love is important, but we but we we just recognize that we that we need to hear words of respect. And wives, just kind of keep that in mind. Husbands and wives recognize that there are five love languages. Be a student of yourself and your and your spouse. Be a student. Figure out which love language do I speak to my spouse? Do I do acts of service? Do I uh, do I give gifts? Do I speak words of affirmation? Do I oh, and I forgot the other two off the top of my head. Quality time and gifts. Quality time, words of affirmation. Well, maybe I'll put a link on there somewhere with the five love languages. Uh, physical touch, and then um, and then finally, guys. When your wife or your significant other starts to tell you about something that happened in her day, she's not looking for a solution. I know it. We, we are, guys, we are prone to solving problems and it's, it's only going to create a conflict. Let your wife express the things that she needs to get off her chest and then ask her when, when she's done and, and you've let her get it all out, say, are, are you looking for a solution to this that we can brainstorm? If not, hey, you know, that's, I'm, I'm sure you'll get this worked out. And that's it. All right, that's all I got. So until next time, everyone, uh, thank you so much for joining me. If you have any questions, uh, comments, coachbillpro at gmail.com. Always appreciate if you take 20 seconds right now to find a way to like and subscribe. If you can do that right now, and I know everybody says that, but I'm, I'm asking you to just take, take 20 seconds right now to like and subscribe. It would be very appreciated. So until next time, everyone, be well. We've all been conditioned to believe that we need to take big, bold steps in order to accomplish our goals. That mindset kills 90% of New Year's resolutions by February. If you want to grow your business, create wealth, or any number of other goals, you must take control of your mindset, overcome procrastination, and take one small action at a time. What action did this episode inspire you to take to bring you closer to accomplishing your big goal? Today, put that small step into action and you too will accomplish your goals one small step at a time. If you have any questions or comments about today's podcast or are interested in learning more, please shoot me an email at coachbillpro at gmail.com. I always love to hear from our listeners. Now get out of here. Go do that one thing you know you need to do.